Matthew chapter 18. All right. Again, those of you joining us online tonight, uh, we appreciate you tuning in as well. If you would like a copy of our notes, if you would, again, as I said before, if you would uh, uh, DM us, direct message, or however you want to contact us through social media with your uh, mailing address, we'd be more than happy to mail you some of these notes. Uh, but uh, thank you for being here this evening. Matthew 18, now we're continuing looking at our pursuit of perfection. This Bible word of per perfection is a word that's often misunderstood. Okay, and let me encourage you again with this. I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but as you come across a word in the Bible that you don't understand and it's a little confusing, never gloss over it. Well, I'll chalk it up as I don't understand it. No, take your time. Those words are in the Bible for a reason, and they're there to encourage us to study to show ourselves approved unto God. And so we understand that. Now, we come to several words in the Bible that may be a little bit confusing, and one of them here is the word perfection. Now, if you can remember, we haven't met, we've missed the last two weeks due to some weather and other things. But uh, if you can remember back, we've been going through the different areas where we can truly look at and strive for perfection. A clarification real quick, again, perfection does not mean sinlessness, as the term is as down through the ages, we have taken our English language especially, and we have diluted the words and even degraded a lot of them, haven't we? And so the word, old word, perfection means complete. What we use it today is what? That's perfect. That means without fault. It's perfect. There's no flaws in it. We rarely may say that today, but if you do, that's the context in which we use it, right? Okay, so anyways, we come back to this and look at now Matthew 18. We're going to continue tonight. <clears throat> and what Jesus is saying in verse 21, jump down there with me. 18 verse 21, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? Shall I forgive him? Till seven times? He should have never put a number out there, should he? Jesus saith unto him, I say unto thee, until seven times, not unto thee, until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Now therefore... Is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king? Now, um, I'm going to, mm, well, no, I'm going to stop there for sake of time. Okay, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. Let's look at this, though, as we start out, as he talks about this forgiveness. Okay, now again, let me just say God is not looking for, or is looking for a perfect heart, okay, not perfect behavior. Second Chronicles 69, again, we've read this, but reading it again. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Now again, this is well within our reach. We can have a perfect heart toward the Lord. As we do this, we can greatly improve our behavior toward perfection. Okay, Again, does not mean perfect behavior. We're going to screw it up so often, aren't we? We're going to mess up. We're going to sin. David, again, the prime example for us in the Scripture, said what? He was referred to as what? A man after God's own heart. And he had a perfect heart towards God, the Bible says. But did he have perfect behavior? Absolutely not. He saw a girl showering when he should have been in battle. And he went over, he called her, hey, have that girl come to dinner. And she thought, well, hot dog, man, this is great. The king invited me to dinner. She got over there and he sat down, had a nice meal. They ate a good meal. They brought out the pie and the pumpkin pie or whatever it was, had a little dessert. He said, why don't you come over in the living room and let's sit down and chat a little bit. Okay, this is awesome. The king invited me over to chit-chat, wants to know all about me. Well, the conversation went on and on and on, and what happened? 
he got a little bit closer on the couch. <laughs> got a little bit closer. And then bad thing led to bad thing, didn't he? And something bad happened. And she came to him and said, now, now David, I got something to tell you. He said, well, what's that? She said, it's, a, it's that time of the month and uh, nothing's happening. And uh, so he said, oh, you got to be kidding me. And you know the story, right? And it goes on. The, well, the baby dies. And his tragedy and its heartache and its pain. Well, he, had not, he did not have perfect behavior. Now I'm kind of emphasizing that point a little too much there. But you understand. And you think about it. And this ought to bring such joy to your heart and my heart that God is not looking for perfect behavior. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> we would be up a creek without two paddles, man. Thank God he doesn't expect perfection, uh, and perfect behavior. He acts and asks us to what? Strive to be complete. Complete. Okay, now I said enough there. Let's second paragraph. There are certain sins or hard attitudes <clears throat> which keep us from having that perfect heart toward God. We are to lay these aside. Now these are the ones we've looked at. The rebellion, the false pride, the covetousness. These things as, long, as well as unforgiveness keep us from going on to perfection and having that perfect heart. Another one of those attitudes is that of unforgiveness in Matthew 18, 21. Now, we think about this tonight. Very important, very important. And forgiving offenses against us is vital to our Christian lives. Uh, many Christians refuse to obey this command and instead carry bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil uh, speaking, malice, one toward another, and toward those that offend them. With this, they grieve the Holy Spirit. They hinder the work of God. They fail to have a perfect heart toward the Lord and refuse to go on unto perfection. Okay, so why should we forgive others, number one? Well, first, and we studied a little bit of this before, but God forgave us. Now, if you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we said this Sunday night, judicially, your sins are forgiven. Okay, Ephesians 1 verse 7. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Notice that. We have. That's present tense. We have it. Okay, Colossians 2.13. And you being dead in your trespasses or your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, excuse me, hath He quickened together or made alive with Him having forgiven you all trespasses. You were spiritually dead. I was spiritually dead. There was no way to quicken or make alive our spiritual nature or body without the forgiveness and the sacrificial death of Christ. So we know that. Because He did. He saved us. When we sin as a believer, the moment we confess sin to God, He forgives it. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. That word just, again, judicial term, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, if I can encourage you, as soon as you sin, immediately the Holy Spirit convicts you. When you do, don't, I do this often, I don't confess my sins immediately. I let it fester and go on, and then later on I go, okay, Lord, you're right. You know? But if you can't immediately say, Lord, forgive me, that was wrong. Forgive me. That's all you got to say. You know what I did. I know what I did. Forgive me. Forgive me. So we understand that because He forgave us, we forgive others. I know, again, easy to say, hard to do. Let it be because God requires us to forgive just as He forgave. Okay, now Ephesians 4.31. You know these verses. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor... Evil speaking, Ephesians 4.31. Be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And then he adds this. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you, 
Because you know what he was talking to the people at Ephesus? And they were all doing the shovel. When the preacher, you know, oh yeah, that's for them. Uh, you know, oh yeah, preacher, preach it. That's for those people right there. And then he goes, even as Christ forgave you. And they all went, oh, you're talking to us. Okay, I get it. Colossians 3.13. Forbearing one another. That's putting up with people you don't want to put up with. And forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Letter C, because we, uh, when we refuse to forgive, bitterness begins to fester. Hebrews 12, 14. Uh, Follow peace with all men. I'm giving you a lot of verses, and I encourage you to study these on your own. Hebrews 12, 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. It is not possible to fall from the grace of God, but in any given situation, it is possible to miss or fail of the grace of God. God gives grace to handle each and every circumstance we face. To be able to forgive, you must avail yourself to that grace. Now again, notice that. We can fail from receiving the grace we need. We're not taking advantage of that grace. Okay, now there's roots, I've said this before and you know this, but there's roots within us of bitterness and uh, unforgiveness and people have wronged us and wrong you in ways we wouldn't even want to talk about publicly. You can't rip those roots out. Get rid of them all. You ever had someone say, forgive and forget, brother. Forgive it. That's impossible. You can't do that. What's he say? Don't let those roots, although they're in there, don't let them sprout up. As soon as they start sprouting up, they're going to start producing fruit that you don't want. And that's exactly what he's saying. Okay, when we refuse to forgive, it begins to fester. Oh, I need this tonight. Okay, letter D, because unforgiveness hinders our personal fellowship with the Lord. All right, Matthew eleven twenty four. By the way, praise God, we study the Bible. Amen. We had a fellow come to our church and he said, uh, I visited one of the big churches here in town. And he said, I said, well, how'd it go? He said, you wouldn't believe it. He didn't even open the Bible. I said, no. He said, yeah, he didn't even open the Bible. He just got up. He read a text out of the Bible, didn't open it. He just read it. And then he went on with his message, never once opened it. Man, praise God, we opened the Bible. Amen? Okay. We study the Word. Matthew, or Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when you pray, believe that you may receive them, and ye shall have them. When you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do, uh, ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Okay? So very clear. We have to understand that. James goes on to say we pray and we pray and ask amiss, as we said on Sunday. The sin of unforgiveness is doubly serious because it blocks our needed forgiveness and keeps us from restoring fellowship when we've sinned in other areas. Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So we're clear on that. He won't hear us. And we need the Lord, God, Creator, of all things, to hear us. Oh, how we need it. I can't tell you how many times somebody's called me, said, Brother Tim, you've got to come and you've got to pray. We're in a bad situation. And I've done it. And, and they say, what do you think we should do? What, how do we rectify the situation? I said, have you been spending time in prayer? No. Have you spending time in the Bible? No. Have you come to church? No, we've been missing. You've got to understand, right? And all of a sudden now we want Jesus to hear our prayers and take care of the problem and erase all of our problems and consequences of sin. So we have to be careful. We've got to keep a close relationship with the Lord. Okay. Now, secondly, what is forgiveness? Well, what is it? 
It is not overlooking sin. Many people misinterpret the definition of forgiveness as overlooking sin. God is not asking us to be a front doormat for everyone to walk over us. Okay, oh, they insulted you. Oh, well, just forgive it. No, if they insulted you, if they've said something derogatory towards you and your race or your, the way you talk or the way you, whatever it is, you correct that. You go to them personally and you say, hey, brother, you kind of offended my wife. And, you know, and you know, nine times out of 10, they're going, oh, I didn't mean it that way, brother. I apologize. I didn't mean it that way. Right. So you think about it. we're careful. It doesn't mean be a doormat. It's not overlooking sin. It, uh, to say it doesn't matter is to lie because it does matter. To just forget, as we said, is impossible to do. <clears throat> we can't just forget it. Letter B, it is not a receipt for payment in full, right? Now, payment made by the offender needs no forgiveness. Forgiveness does not extract any payment from the offender, okay? So letter C, it is not initially for the offender. Again, we know that. It's for who? It's for me. It's for me. And then we understand we're doing it for the Lord's sake. Letter D, it is an act of the will. It is not a matter of feeling. Well, we can't control feelings a lot of cases, but it's not a matter of feeling. If we waited for it to feel good or feel right, we would never do it, would we? Never would we. Number two, it's not a matter of putting it out of our mind and forgetting it. We already said that. Uh, thirdly, it's, it's a matter of choice. It's an act of the will. And we choose to do what we're supposed to do. Again, people do what they're going to do, right? They do what they're going to do. Uh, that's what it is. And so we understand it. It's a matter of choice, putting forth the effort, okay? Letter E, we're getting through this pretty quick. It is releasing, and I'm glad for that. It is releasing the person to God for his action. God can do a lot better job than we can, can he? Uh, there's one verse in the Bible says, heap coals of fire upon their head. Well, we've got to be careful about that, <laughs> praying those things. Because Romans 12, 17 says what? Will recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men, if it be possible, underline that, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Oh, I love that he said that. Because you know what, Paul writing this, he was not some super duper, he was a super Christian, but he was not a perfect, meaning sinless person. He was just like us. And you remember when he stood before the council right at the end of the book of Acts when he was arrested? And you remember that guy walked up and he was speaking and he slapped him on the face? You remember that? And he turned to that guy and he said, you whited sepulcher, you no good, dirty rat, <laughs> basically. If you would take these handcuffs off me, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, right? How would you like that? Well, Paul was a man who experienced all the same things. And he wrote to this church and he said, as much as lieth in you, if it's possible, you're not going to live peaceably with everybody, right? You're not. Yeah, there's some people. Again, if somebody is very toxic or whatever the case is to you, right? You need to distance yourself from them. And that's very clear. If they're always offending you, just as Jesus said, at seven times, 70 times seven. Well, at some point, you're going to start to distance yourself, and you should, okay, anyways. And then he goes on there in Romans 12, 17. He says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil. Overcome evil with good. Okay, again. And uh, it's hard, so hard to do that. Oh, boy. But if you were to go 
and do that to one of your... And by the way, keep your enemies close, right? Keep your friends close, but your enemies close. You need to know where they are and what they're doing. <laughs> Make sure you... Where are you at today? What's going on? Can I buy you lunch? You know, I'm just trying to find out where you are. I want to make sure you're not getting ready to do something. So anyways, okay, thirdly and lastly, boy, we're moving through this quickly. Good, because I, <laughs> I need it. When do we forgive? Okay, so we start, what's forgiveness? Very clear to us. Well, first of all, letter A, in the heart immediately because revenge is forbidden, as we read in Romans 12 and verse 19. Revenge is like a boomerang. It has a way of coming back, doesn't it? Boy, and there's not, no end to it. It's a snowball, right? They hurt you, you hurt them. They hurt you, you hurt them. We bought a little boomerang one time for the kids, one of those cheap ones. Well, the, the, the goal of it, something to the effect of what it said, the instructions. It, you throw it, sidearm it, you know, and it goes out basically in a half circle, and it's supposed to come back to the initial point of release, which is your hand, right? Well, you threw it out, and that thing just kept going. And we're like, oh, nuts, you know, stuck out in the tree or something. But you've seen the big, anyone been to Australia before? Nobody? Oh, man, I want to go there someday, don't you? And they, those, those Kiwi guys, man, they can, they've got them big ones. But it always comes back. At least it's supposed to. Right? Uh, number two, revenge is worthless as a weapon. We know it makes matters worse, so much worse. Uh, revenge is from hatred, and it hurts the hater more than the hated most of the time. And let her be to a, the offender, it must be as soon as he asks. Now again, Luke 17, verse 3 I have in the notes. It says, take heed to yourselves. Well, what's he saying? Examine yourselves and take care of your own self. Okay. If thy brother trespassed against thee, rebuke him. Okay, that means correct him. He says something to you that's offensive. Okay, correct him if it needs to be. That, that wasn't right what you said, and that offended me. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Okay, forgiveness heals the wound. It is the only means of healing. To refuse to forgive is to prolong the suffering because a time alone will not heal the wound. You heard someone say, time heals all wounds. They say that. Such lies, isn't it? It only makes it worse. You know what's fascinating? People, when they don't want to deal with reality and all those wounds and hurts, what they do? They, they, you know, they take some, some substance to what? Get their mind off of it. And you ever listen to a drunk guy? <laughs> There's a tear in my beer and I'm crying, you know. I'm so lonesome, I could cry. What are they, they're drunk, and they're bringing up all the problems. I thought you were supposed to drink and smoke and do all that to forget all your problems. Isn't that true? You can't get rid of it without dealing with what's in here. Now, again, okay. Now, the question, again, arises often about a marriage that is someone is very offensive to the spouse, and they're just daily repeated. What does the spouse do? Does she keep you know, forgiving, forgiving, forgiving? Well, there's a limit to that. You know that. And Jesus is giving an extreme example here. And if there is something like that, an unrepented husband or unrepented wife in that regard, there is forms and ways of separation from that toxic environment. Okay, all of that. Anyways, okay, let's last one here. Let's close out as we see it. Okay, we're to forgive. We know that someone hurt us or has a grudge against us. We forgive. Maybe they don't deserve it. We know, but neither do we deserve the forgiveness God offers. We remember what God has done for us. And isn't that wonderful to think about all that God's done? Again, we're here in the church amongst brethren, and it's, you know, it's easy, and we're all, oh, great, yeah, let's go out and forgive until it happens to me tomorrow, right? <laughs> and then it's, ah, when the rubber meets the road, that's the tough part, isn't it? 
But as we've been studying on Sundays about the love we're to show, uh, it's hard to do. But we show the love of Christ to those around us. And I'm telling you, it will make a difference in people's lives. And they'll say, hey, what do you got? And Peter puts it this way. Uh, prepare yourself, basically. Study, prepare, get ready for what? Those that come and ask the reason of the hope that's in you. And say, What's the ho- why do you have such hope? Why are you like that? I used to know you and you've changed. You're different now. And you can tell them, let me tell you about Jesus. I'm unashamed of that. And we start with this, the pursuit of our perfection. We're laying aside these things of rebellion, false pride, covetousness, unforgiveness, things of that nature. Not a perfect behavior. Praise the Lord for that. But we can be complete in Him. Colossians says that. Complete in Christ. We're complete in Him. That means you can both know Him and then you can do everything that He's commanded you to do and you can please Him. That's the goal. We can please the Lord. And when your walk pleases Him, The Bible says God will bless your life in more ways than you can count. Aren't we blessed tonight? We're such a blessed people. Oh, so blessed. When you think about all the people around us that are hurting and going through so many things. And so uh, let's pray for those. Um, Let's pray for uh, Miss Michelle tonight. I I think they left. She's not feeling well. Okay, let's pray for her. Can we? All right, Lord, thank you for this evening to study your word. We do pray for Miss Michelle tonight. I pray you'd help her. I know she's not feeling well. Uh, and Lord, we ask that you'd help her through uh, this time. And I know they're getting excited, but also some of these uh, latter uh, days here before the birth are, are challenging and difficult. We pray for her. Help Brother Josh and, and uh, be with them. Help Miss Emma and uh, Lord guide them, I pray tonight. But Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be here again, praising you for your goodness to us. And again, that you do not expect a, uh, a perfect person You don't expect perfect behavior. You're asking for us to strive after completeness and do that which you have. uh, uh, Really, we look at your supreme example of forgiving us first. And we can go on unto perfection, just as the Bible says. Anyways, thank you so much. Empower us this week to live for you. Strengthen us. Keep your hedge about us, about our friends, our family, our children, our spouses. Watch over us, God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.